This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorst and Theo Squires alongside me this afternoon. Welcome along if you are watching us live on either YouTube or Facebook. Transfers, contracts and plenty more to get stuck into. A bit of Harry Kane and Jack Grealish chat too. But we then have a look at Liverpool's double clash with Bologna on Thursday. First though, we're yet to react here on Blood Red to the news that Trent Alexander-Arnold signed a new long-term contract at Liverpool on Friday, just a couple of hours after we've recorded Friday's show. Gorsty, I'll come to you first. I think the most interesting aspect of this is that he's now among the biggest earners at Anfield, and I suppose that reflects the status that he has now in this Liverpool squad. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I think when he signed his last contract was... Um, 2018, I think, around about October 2018. Um, obviously, he was obviously established as a Liverpool first team at that point, and he just featured in a Champions League final and whatever else. But um, this was before he was a Champions League winner, before he was a Premier League winner, and, and everything that's basically come come with you know the the territory for the last couple of years as, as a Liverpool player. So now he, I think he deserves it. He deserves to be recognised as one of the senior men of, of this Liverpool team now. I think he's only 22. He doesn't turn 23 until October, but close to 200 appearances in the Liverpool first team. Um, I, I, every time we get a chance to speak about Trent, I always, you know, wax lyrical about how much I love him. He's from the city. He's, you know, boyhood Liverpool fan. He's one of the stars of the team. You know, the best player at the academy since Steven Gerrard back in the mid-90s. And now he's going to be recognised as, um, you know, one of the one of the big stars of this Liverpool team with the contract to go with it. So I think he, it's thoroughly deserved. And um, you know, not Liverpool's like first step on the road to what they've got planned this summer in terms of the contracts, but probably the, the biggest step forward in terms of the players who'd look and tie down. And it's all done relatively quickly, I believe. Um, talks kind of accelerated last week, and, and it was all done and dusted and wrapped up. And I don't think there was any indication that it, that it wouldn't be any other way, really. I don't think there was any, going to be any hiccups or any unforeseen issues from the players' camp or from from the club. I think it's something everyone wants. Um, so it was all done and dusted. And, um, yeah, on he goes another four years on his mileage. And, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he grows further in this Liverpool team because uh, he's an absolutely phenomenal talent. Yeah, an absolutely crucial player to tie down there. But as Gorsty said, it was probably one of the easier contracts to do. We know there's a long to-do list in that regard, but Trent Alexander-Arnold, there was never really any doubt that he'd extend, was there? No, no, it's always Liverpool through and through, isn't he? He's not going to be a player that wants to go and play anywhere else. And you think, well, your players that have come through the academy before, even when Steven Gerrard was being linked with Chelsea, it was because he wanted Premier League titles. Well, Trent's already got that in his locker, so he's got no reason to leave the club. And from the club's point of view, it was the one that you wanted done the most because we've had all the debates over Gini Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson, whether there's that value in giving them long-term deals, giving them money they want. And then you've still got debates on, well, Alisson, Fabinho, they'll probably get them. But then Salah, what's next for him? What's next for Sadio Mane? Trent has still got the best years firmly in front of him. The fact that Gorsi's just said four years, well, it'd be, what, 26, 27? Well, he's still got then another big long-term contract left in his legs to enjoy the peak of his football. Whereas all these other players in the squad, they've ultimately already been tied down for their peak years. And it's now the club weighing up whether they've got any more life improvement in their legs or if it's just a gradual decline. 
Whereas Trent, it doesn't matter whether Jurgen Klopp leaves at the end of his contract and all these players, he is going to be part of this Liverpool team for the next decade easily, you can imagine. And when you've got Pep Linder saying he's probably going to be captain one day as well, he is the one that you wanted to be this figurehead and he fully deserves this wage for everything he's achieved. And now it's just this next step, this status for him to really lead the new Liverpool when the likes of Henderson, James Milner, all these leaders in the camp have to step back and it is a new generation. Yeah, you can certainly see him stepping into one of those roles. And I suppose, Gorsley, obviously this one has been tied up. It, it sort of begs the question of, of what comes next. What do you think that the priorities are for Liverpool in terms of contracts for, for the rest of this summer now? Yeah, I mean, it's something we've been quite consistent on now, hasn't it, for a while in our reports. Um, Fabinho and, and Alisson seem to be the the next cabs off the rank, if you like. They're obviously joining up with Liverpool today, I think, in, in the Evian. Uh, club are keen to speak to both of them to, to you know get them to new deals and again two players who thoroughly deserve whatever gets um, put across the table for them in terms of new contracts and um, more earnings essentially. Um, Virgil van Dijk is one, Mohamed Salah those two. Obviously, we don't need to to kind of reflect on why but Liverpool would be keen to tie those two down. Um, Andy Robertson is another one we believe. Um, again, you know similar to Trent, another. Um, really strong talent at fullback and Liverpool's not so much secret weapons these days because you know they've been known about for years. But for quite a while, wasn't it? That, that was where Liverpool's kind of surprise attack come from with, with the left back and the right back. So Liverpool just kind of looking to keep the nucleus of this team together. And, and, and why wouldn't you really? I mean, um, look at what they've done over the last two or three years. Um, if they haven't won something, they've been you know really close to challenging and, and you've. Won the, all the big titles in the game, haven't they? So, um, yeah, Liverpool pushing on with the um, the idea of keeping this team together. And then I still expect them to, to add to it with one or two before the end of play. We shall see, of course, and I'm sh- sure we're going to move on to, to incomings. But, uh, yeah, I think the priority has been just to keep this squad together. And I don't think the, the squad got a fair shake of things last season with so many injuries and you know players having to adjust as a result in and out of positions that weren't natural to them and so on. So I think um I don't think last year was a you know a fair yardstick of, of where this team is at the moment or where this squad is. I think maybe casting your mind back to the season before when Liverpool were absolutely thoroughly dominant, weren't they? And I think that is pretty much um, a closer reflection of where this team is once they're all fit and firing and, and up and running. So Liverpool are keen to basically keep everyone from that particular season tied down. And obviously Gino and Alden is the obvious one who isn't. But uh, on the whole, Liverpool making um, good progress in, on, on that front. Yeah, certainly it's it's important. And I think it's it's important to mention as well, Theo, that it's a big investment, isn't it? It's not an obvious sort of transfer fee or, or something like that. But this is a big thing for Liverpool. I think only Manchester City in the Premier League have a bigger wage bill than they do. This is something that's going to rise and it is something they have to weigh up behind the scenes. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp's addressed it before in the past. I think it was after they won the Champions League when uh, people were saying, why is he not strengthening the squad? And when they only got the the youngsters and the two reserve goalkeepers in. But he pointed out that tying these players down to contracts then was transfer business. Like It's all very well strengthening your squad, but if you've already got faith in players you've got at your disposal and they're of a good age where you know you're going to get life left from them, it makes sense to tie them down. It's all very well spending $100 million on a Harry Kane or a Jack Grealish, but if you've got your squad already in place, you're already going to be successful, as we've seen from Liverpool. 
in the past few years. And it has been the concern for him in the last few years that the wage bill is going up and up because you've got to reward your loyal servants. And it's one where you get a bit more experience. You start winning trophies. You get all these bonuses as well from winning trophies that the club are going to have to be paying out more. And it's probably one of the reasons why Eugenio Wijnaldum didn't get the contract he desired because he would have wanted a hefty pay rise. He would have wanted, what, two, three years longer. And then it's, well, you're spending a lot of money on a player who won't be in your starting eleven. That money needs to be looked at elsewhere. It's like, well, that's why we're having these debates now. What will the club do with Jordan Henderson? Obviously, he's a different prospect because he's so important as a captain to everything. But there are no debates like that with Trent Alexander-Arnold because you know he is just part and parcel for this team for the foreseeable future. And it's when you've got these harder decisions now on the players that once they get near that 30 barrier, it's like, how much more can you get out of them? Do you want to just milk them for what you can and accept you're going to sell them at a loss and see what you can get from them? Or is it a case of selling them while the value is still at a decent enough level to make a hefty profit? Uh, so far, Klopp has been very loyal to the players he's had at his disposal. Like the fact that even Diego Carigi got this contract after scoring that Champions League winning goal. Genie Wijnaldum's the only one who has ultimately had to leave. But you'd expect these decisions are now going to get tougher in the years ahead because we've seen the fume that we've had on social media from the club not going in bidding millions for some of these top talents. Well, they've just not got the money there if they're putting the money into the wage bills. So it's one where you've got to weigh it up. What do you want to do if you're keeping your squad together? Do you want to be giving your players who have delivered for you these big wages or do you want to just get them off the wage bill and bring in new prospects? It's a very hard one to weigh up and so far it has been a successful Liverpool, but you'd imagine there are going to be plenty more tough decisions ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Contracts, one of the biggest things to sort out this summer, but transfers as well is what people are talking about at the moment, Gorsty. And it sort of seems like things are starting to hot up. We're going to have a touch on sort of Jack Grealish and Harry Kane very shortly. But I think it's important to say before we go into that, that Liverpool won't be swayed by what other clubs do. They've got a plan and they'll stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, don't, don't think Liverpool think twice about what any other team's doing. Um, certainly Klopp wouldn't have it any other way. And I think when you mention other teams to Klopp in press conferences and so on, the only thing he ever seems to say is, well, we only play them twice. So we think about them when we play them. And other than that, we just let whoever get on with it. And of course, Manchester City are going to be the ones to watch and United are doing quite a bit of significant business themselves, aren't they? And sure, Chelsea will as well, but Liverpool obviously work a little bit different. Um, don't quite have the funds of, of any of those three teams, but work it to their own to their own beat and put them in good stead as over the last few years. So I don't know if they're going to deviate now and they're certainly not going to do it on the back of what any other team are doing. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting for supporters, of course, but um, I think it'll be water off the ducks back to the Liverpool recruitment team. And, um, of course, we'll all have opinions on who other teams are buying and part parcel of the game, is it, particularly at this time of the year. And I'm sure we're going to come on to City making a bit of a splash at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Liverpool are going to be too concerned. As, as boring as it sounds, you know, we'd, we'd like to say Liverpool are going to be hell-bent on going toe-to-toe with City and, and guzzumping them and whatever else. But Liverpool will just carry on working the way they work because, you know, the proof's in the pudding of what they've done the last three years. I think, uh, obviously, there's a lot of sort of pressure from certain fans or certainly they would like to think that there is on the club to to make these moves, Theo. But as Gorsty said, it, it would, just wouldn't be a, 
a Liverpool move, would it, to, to go and splash 100 million on a certain player or you know, go and, and spend 80, 90 million on, on other players? It, it just isn't the way that Liverpool do things. So it shouldn't really be a surprise, should it, that, that these things are happening? No, not at all. It's one where the way Liverpool run, do things with FSG, with Jurgen Klopp, I'm pretty sure they'd happily sacrifice the title this year if it meant they'd win the three after that. It's all very a long-term project about making sure it's all in place, whereas signing a Harry Kane for 100, 120, 150 million is very short-term. Um, clubs have had successes doing it that way in the past. One of the more memorable examples for me is Van Persie when he went to United and Ferguson's last year winning the title and we've seen how United fell apart after that. And it's one where Liverpool have had great success in playing the long game, bringing in players that are younger, letting them all develop together and building a team. It's why this team is all having the best years of their career at the same time and why they've managed to win the Champions League and the Premier League. And when you look at the how much Liverpool spent on them, granted Virgil van Dijk and Alisson cost big figures, but when you look at, say, Salah and Mane for 30, 35 million each, they look even more bargains now, don't they? When you compare to like what you'd see for a Grealish or a Sancho. And it's one way you look at these players. Well, it's all very well City going and doing, oh, we want 100 million Harry Kane. He's 28. You know you're not going to get that resale value there. Or Jack Grealish, where City have got so many attacking midfielders in that position already. It doesn't make quite as much sense. Now, Liverpool have got the depth already there. The only problem is it's not the same level of quality as Manchester City. But this isn't an overnight thing that City have just woken up and thought, oh, we're going to spend this money on these players just to buy the league this year. This is what they've been doing the whole time under Pep Guardiola and even before him. And Liverpool have come out on top of them against them before. That's why they've won the Champions League. It's why they won the Premier League. They would have been a hell of a lot closer in the title race last year if it wasn't for the, the injuries that they had. So you just got to have faith that the players can come back stronger again. Mohamed Salah, still had a very good season last year. You know the defence is going to be a lot stronger with Van Dijk there. Canate is an exciting prospect and he's one where well, two, three years down the line, if he's had a good start to his Liverpool career, you'll be seeing him getting an improved contract for another four or five years to reward that sort of ability in him. Mane could come back even stronger. So Liverpool have got good players in place. They've got a good squad in place. It's just that they're not going to go and spend 200 million. But when they did their big investment, when it was signing Alisson, Van Dijk and Fabinho, it started this rise together. And I think we can all safely say, looking at the Liverpool team, they're not exactly dead yet, are they? They're still life in the legs. They've still got part of the journey to go. It's not as though they have to start investing and doing a complete revamp again. And that's something Jurgen Klopp said in the past. It's when you need to upheave your squad. Is that talking about bringing 10 new players in? Liverpool certainly don't need that and they don't need to be spending 200 million to strengthen the squad when they can go and get a centre-back who strengthen them quite easily for 36 as they've done with Canate. Yeah, important to, to remember that. I think just in terms of, of Greenish and Kane Gorsty, I think for me, Jack Greenish wouldn't make a huge difference to them in terms of, of making them better. I think they've got lots of creative attacking players. It might mean that they have to sacrifice someone like a, a Sterling or a Bernardo Silva, but I think Harry Kane, that would be a player that you really think could make a bigger difference to Manchester City for me. I think he's a player that they don't really have a number nine. They don't have that Sergio Aguero replacement. Would you agree with that? Or do you think maybe it's just a case of Liverpool do what they do and, and they'll be fine? Yeah, I, I agree with your point there, Matt, about Grealish and Kane. I think I love watching Grealish. Um, 
you know, he's kind of a bit of a throwback, isn't he? A bit of a maverick. Takes the ball in tight areas, lovely close control. Not blisteringly quick, but can take players on for fun. Um, can play in a number of positions. And, and every time I watch him, he's always someone who, who makes you want to watch. So if Aston Villa are on the telly, I'll, I'll tune in because I like watching Grealish. So to have him go to City... Um, I just I wouldn't like to watch Grealish in a Man City team. You know, let's face it, cards on the table, hoping that that City lose, and you know, hoping that he has a bit of a shocker because I love watching those types of players. Um, but I think um, it'd just be it'd just be boring if, if you know if City got Kane, wouldn't it? Let's face it. Um, they just won the title by what was it, thirteen points or something? Um, they won the title relatively comfortable anyway, and. Did it without a really a recognised number nine, Gabriel Jesus, of course, and, and Aguero didn't really feature much last season. And then they just gone by one of the best centre forwards in the world. It'll just be, it'll just make Liverpool's task harder, obviously. But I just think it's just, I don't know, really. It's, um, it is a bit of a sour taste, isn't it, that they can win things, you know, at a canter and then just go and throw down 100 million, 200 million on, on two players. Um, at the drop of a hat when everyone's supposed to be cutting the cloth accordingly and having a bit of trouble raising funds here and there and there's a global pandemic that the world is still kind of emerging out of and then oh City have spent 200 million on two players and then in fact it's going to be more than 200 million isn't it if they get Kane then you're looking at closer to 250 so yeah it's a, it's a bit boring isn't it it's just you know fantasy football stuff and that's what Liverpool have got to compete with and um, they're not going to be able to financial wise so um, they're going to have to box clever again yeah, it does make you question a little bit financial fair play regulations, but we'll see sort of what happens with that moving forward. Just before we move on, Theo, I wanted to to mention really the fact that Harry Kane has supposedly missed training today in a bid to force a move away from Tottenham through. I mean, Liverpool have been in, in, in that sort of position in the past. You think of, of Luis Suarez, Raheem Sterling has done similar, Felipe Coutinho... Liverpool wouldn't be in that position now, though. And I suppose if you can take a positive from this, it could be that possibly you just wouldn't expect Liverpool to to have that sort of problem anymore. No, you wouldn't. But that's because the players that they brought in, they rose with Liverpool to the extent that you're not really going to see them want to quit the club to make a sideways step. Whereas when you talk of Suarez and Sterling, it was very much going in chase of that silverware and that big move to win these titles. And it's one. It's no surprise to see Harry Kane wanting to leave Tottenham. When you look at the age he is now, when you look at how the pandemic has affected transfer fees, and he knows he could easily be priced out of a move. If he waits for the market to settle, he's the wrong side of thirty. So it's now or never for him if he wants to go and really win a few trophies. Um, he had that taste, or almost taste, with uh, England in the summer, nearly winning the Euros. He had the taste with Spurs a couple of years ago, losing the Champions League final. But it is making that big step for him. And it isn't a surprise, is it? Like, even if he turned up for training today, you'd still expect him to try and force a transfer through this summer, like the same way that you'd expect Grealish to move on this summer, even though he's turned up for training. And it's one where you haven't really had to think about this from a Liverpool point of view since Coutinho left. And I think it was a warning Gerard said in one of his books that um, with Coutinho, you knew at some point that he was going to go to a Barcelona or Real Madrid because it's where all the South American players want to go. It's like Liverpool have to get to that level to stop that happening. And it took Coutinho leaving for them to get to that level. And well, you don't really need to go to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona now if you're a Mohamed Salah or a Sadio Mane because you're in the best possible place to get those trophies. Whereas Tottenham, they're in what? Europa Conference League. Um, 
God knows who they've got drawn in that today, but it was playing some Northern Irish team or something like that. It doesn't really fill you with glee, does it? A European night there. Or it's just not the same, is it? You can understand why Kane wants to leave. Grealish or Villa, they're never going to be challenging for Champions League football. So it is definitely a rise for them. But Liverpool, in what has been their toughest season in years, under Klopp, they still made Champions League football. They've still got the players where they want to be. And it's just putting the injuries behind them and getting the trophies again. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Absolutely. Let's move on a little bit. We'll move on from Manchester City. We'll just touch quickly on Manchester United and and Chelsea as well, Gorsty. I mean, again, they are going to spend big, we think. They've obviously got Sancho, Varane, Jules Koundé potentially going to Chelsea. Paul McShane. Paul McShane as well, yes. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Gorsty, in terms of, of what they do as well. Again, Liverpool will focus on themselves, but you'd expect there could possibly be four teams next season to be looking at that Premier League title and thinking it's realistic. Yeah, I, I think I might have said that for, for a, a few times on a few pods that um, it's, it's, not, it's not a big six for me anymore. It's a top four, but back to the big four. It's Liverpool, United, Chelsea and and um, City and and then the rest is kind of fight amongst yourselves. Obviously, Tottenham will fancy themselves to have a claim on that. Arsenal will always fancy themselves as well, but to me, it's probably the poorest Arsenal side that I can remember probably in my lifetime, to be honest. Um, Leicester have made a really good fist of it the last couple of seasons, haven't they? Um, so, it's um, yeah, for me, it, it's a big four now and then, and then, what is it, maybe three or four in, into the final two spots. But I, I don't think Liverpool need to be too overly concerned with what other teams are doing. I mean, look at last last season. Chelsea spent two hundred million there, and, and Liverpool still finished above them. And okay, Chelsea won the Champions League, but that almost had a little bit of a Istanbul feel to it in a way, in terms of the way they weren't they weren't favourites in in any of the games in the last. Well, certainly didn't make them favourites against Real Madrid, and, and they weren't favourites in the final against City and managed to, to sneak it in and, and I think that was down a lot to the kind of tactical acumen of Thomas Tuchel and, and how we prepared for those games. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm would be hesitant to be too worried um, if I'm Liverpool, other than the fact that if City get Harry Kane, I think it'll make things a lot more difficult to, uh, to wrestle back this champion, uh, Premier League title. But other than that, you know, teams are always going to sign players. Um, United signed Jaden Sancho. Fine. Um, so what? You know, he, he's going to be a top player and, and is a top player already. <clears throat> Varane, he's a, you know, a top-class centre-back. But, you know, so what? Liverpool have got great players as well. And, and OK, I can see why fans are getting a little bit, you know, antsy that Liverpool are kind of matching them in terms of bringing in some high-profile names. But, um as I say, I, I, I'd be hesitant to be overly concerned with what other teams are doing, aside from if City got Kane and then it's just boring, isn't it? Footy manager stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there is still a month of, of the window left. The Liverpool could do a couple of transfer deals for themselves. But let's just imagine for a second that they don't do that. They've still got the squad to challenge for the Premier League title anyway, haven't they? Isn't there a kind of unnecessary panic about transfers because Liverpool could just go and, and do that anyway? Um, yeah, do you want me to use the like a new sign-in cliche for uh, half the, the squad? Go here? ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Virgil van Dijk, <laughs> Jordan Henderson, Joey Gomez, Joel Matip, we, we can go on. 
and we're going to see the, the real Thiago Alcantara now this season as well. Uh, you'd like to think after a, a full rested summer, Sadio Mane is going to be back to his best. Liverpool have got the squad there, and the only reason they weren't properly challenging for the title last season is the injuries. Um, this one where they would have been at the very worst second last year if it, they had their players fit for the whole campaign. And it's one where, well, Liverpool and City are both in this position where you could start the season as it is with their squads and you'd expect them to be the top two. That's why they've got this status. That's why they've been so good for the last couple of years. It's one where Chelsea are not really a concern for me, even though they need to strengthen because they still seem to have so many gaps in their squad. They seem to just be getting players in the same position. Like you go and sign Timo Werner last summer and it's like, oh, he's not up to scratch. Oh, we might target Erlen Haaland this year. It doesn't seem to quite be sorting it out. They'll take a few years for them to get properly get back on a pedestal. Um, as Gorsty mentioned with Arsenal, it seems very much like Liverpool in 11-12, doesn't it? And then this one where they've got a few players there, but they're, they're years off being able to challenge for titles again. And like Leicester feels a bit like Everton under Martinez or Aston Villa under Martin O'Neill, where they, they're going to just fall short. But you've got these teams that are already there and they're just going to stay there. It's what makes United the concern for me. And it's not because they've sent all that money on Sancho, it's because they've spent that money on Varane. Like you've got a very good spine to that team there. Like that front four, granted Cavani's not going to have his best years ahead of him. But when you've got Greenwood, Rashford, Martial, Bruno Fernandes and Sancho in a front five, and you know you've got that spine of Maguire and Varane at centre-back, it's almost like when Liverpool brought Virgil van Dijk, that could be a big difference for them. Uh, they're still centre-mid, is a bit weak especially if Paul Pogba goes, because granted he's a bit hit and miss, but he is their best midfielder. Goalkeeper, still that debate there of who's first choice. But Liverpool don't have these issues. They don't need to look at, oh, we need to spend half much on a big-name player because they've done it in the past because the players are already there in place. That's why they've seen Mohamed Salah challenge for golden boots year after year. It's why Fabinho is one of the best holding midfielders in the world. It's why Virgil van Dijk is the best defender in the world. It's one where... They could easily start the season tomorrow. It'd be fine. Same for Man City. Like you just keep Kevin De Bruyne fit for a season. City or is going to be top two. Liverpool keep Van Dijk fit for a season. They're going to be top two. And then it's just what else you can bring into that squad. But the fact that um, City can win a title without Harry Kane, as Gorsty said, you throw in 30 goals from him on top when you've got Kevin De Bruyne being his playmaker. That is a terrifying prospect. But it's always been the case that they're up there and about. Same as Liverpool are there and thereabouts. The big difference is United actually doing something defensively and bringing Varane in and seeing if that can make a, this power two struggle at the top of power three. Yeah, it certainly could be an interesting one. And transfer movements, not just at the top end of the division either, Ghost. The Arsenal have spent £50 million on Ben White. I know that you've reported in the past that Liverpool had scouted him, but certainly wouldn't have paid that sort of money for him. But it does make you wonder if that might open up then the opportunity for a knock-on effect. Maybe Nat Phillips would be interesting. Brighton as a replacement, potentially. It just sort of goes to show the, the kind of knock-on domino effect that the transfer market can have sometimes. Sometimes it, it just takes one of those deals and maybe one or two more might follow. Yeah, and, and I think in a, in a summer like this as well, more than usual, that will kind of trigger off a few deals, I think, with, with big money exchanging hands in the same league. Yeah, it shows you as well, doesn't it, the... Um, how much money can be added onto your, your value when you're, you've had one season in the Premier League. Liverpool looking at Ben White 12 months ago. I was, I was scouting him when he was on loan at Leeds. Obviously, Leeds were determined to try and bring his loan deal into a permanent one. And 
had about three offers turned down, I think, from Brighton just before he signed the new contract. Uh, and I think I think the limits, the ceiling of those three deals was about thirty million. So one season in the Premier League at Brighton, and, and suddenly you're fifty million, and, and you're off to Arsenal. So um, a lot can change, can't it? After one season in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, Brighton obviously now armed with you know a bit of a war chest of Brighton proportions, and and that Phillips does seem to be someone who they are keen on. I wouldn't say he's um, he's a similar type of player to Ben White. Ben White can play as a defensive midfielder and, and is a lot more mobile and, and possibly quicker, but he's nowhere near the kind of um, nuts and bolts defender that Nat Phillips is an absolute monster in the air, isn't he? And loves to get the tackles in, and blocks in, and, and loves to defend. And um, he's probably a little bit similar to to Shane Duffy, who of course was at Brighton for quite a while, wasn't he? And um, yeah, it, and we know the Brighton are interested along with uh, Burnley. Um, that that was up until a couple of weeks back, anyway. Whether that interest is still there or not, I suppose we might find out. But um, yeah, I think if Liverpool will be happy to to um, to let Phillips go if he wants to go, if he gets a team who in for him and can promise him regular first team football in the Premier League, I think um, that'll suit all parties and, and off he'll go with a massive pat on his back. But uh, we shall see on that one. Yeah, certainly still plenty of time left, around four weeks or so before that transfer deadline. So could well be a few more movements. But uh, just before we finish, then we'll have a quick look ahead to Thursday. Liverpool playing two 30-minute games with Bologna in the afternoon, 3pm and 5pm UK time. And they're in Evian now, Gorsty, back in a place that Jurgen Klopp seems to love, takes them there as often as he can. And the Brazilians are back as well. It, it kind of feels like we're getting to that exciting stage of pre-season where the proper squad is there. It feels like they're ready and the season is just around the corner, of course. Yeah, 12 days now till, till Norwich. Um, yeah, Liverpool back in Evian. They, they originally um, flew to Austria, didn't they, on the 11th or the 12th of July. And they were planning to stay there for the full month. And then I think cabin fever has, has set in a little bit. You know, it's a long time to be away from, from your, your friends and your family back on Merseyside. And um, a long time to be stuck in the one place. So I think they moved camps last week and then the uh, the plan for everyone was formulated and, and off they go. And I think it's just been done with a view of kind of keeping the uh, keeping the kind of attention span of the players rather than just looking at the same pictures every day, the same four walls in the hotel, the same kind of day-to-day, you know, you're not, you're not focused on a... Uh, international tournaments where you've got a big quarterfinal coming up or a semi-final or you know whatever it is because these are just largely games to uh, to get your fitness up that don't really matter so uh, Liverpool have been keen to uh, keep the attention span and you know keep every, everything fresh and, and off they go to Evian where we know the Klopp, Klopp enjoys don't we I think this is the second or third time they've been there on Klopp's watch so yeah another big week um, as you say most of the squad with them now Henderson is staying in England um, the Brazilians are going to be there and that's pretty much everyone, isn't it? Um, so pretty much the entire squad, except for Henderson out there. And, and yeah, um, all going through the paces. Bologna, as you mentioned, on Thursday and then a couple of games next week, or rather Sunday and Monday of, of next week. Yeah, fresh location, Theo. A few fresh faces as well. Obviously, those senior stars coming back. A few of the youngsters have been let go back to Merseyside. Matthias Musilovsky, Jake Kane, one or two others as well. But... I found it interesting that Kai Gordon was one that had stuck with the team. He's obviously made a big impression during pre-season. 
Yeah, I've already seen glimpses of him in these few games. I've uh, not been able to watch them all, but he, he looks a prospect and it's one where that's what we've heard ever since Liverpool fought to sign him. And it's one where you want to give him that little bit of a taste, don't you? It's like there are other players that will be closer to being part of the Liverpool first team in the short term. But when you've got a player who's only just joined the club um, in January, wasn't it, that you want to give him that little taste of learning off these star players, give him that little bit of reward, for the hard work he's putting in, but then taking it away again, saying, right, you've had that taste, now work even harder to get back there to make sure that it is a long-term prospect. But he's always been one since they signed him that they had high hopes for. And that's the fact that he's there already after only a few months into his Liverpool career. Um, he was unfortunate not to get a goal in, the, was it the Mains friendly with the own goal? Where if the defender hadn't got it, he'd have had a, a simple tap in at the far post. But he's made an impact and it's good to see um, when you've got all these internationals away coming back. It is a chance for your lesser seen players and your youngsters to stake that claim. And he, he's certainly done that. And it's He's a teenager, so he's got years ahead to fully break into this Liverpool first team. But you definitely want to see more of it from him. But it's one where pre-season-wise, it's been a positive on all counts for Liverpool. Like the fact that you've got majority of the stars like Salah and Mane who are having a full pre-season for the first time in years. So they can really have a holiday and then refresh. And even then the likes of the Brazilians, we think that they barely featured for Brazil at Copa America. They had the odd start here and there. Allison's lost his place to Edison. Firmino's lost his place. Fabinho's never had a place. Then they went and lost to Argentina. They've got a big point to prove to uh, the national coach there to try and stake a claim or to just get this defeat out of their system. And when you've got the disappointment in Liverpool last year as well, it gives them even more fire in the belly. So they'll be uh, hungry to get underway after what's been a disappointing season for the summer for them. And it's just one where with uh, two weeks to go, it's all ticking along more nicely. Henderson might not be back yet, but the rest of the Liverpool camp's all there. And when they've not had a, a chance for him to have a full pre-season last year, it's uh, nice for him to be able to have this time to refresh and get it all together ahead of what is going to be a pretty interesting season up against City and whoever signs Harry Kane and whatever United do, whatever Chelsea do. Yeah, absolutely. Just to, to finish then, Gorsty, what do you expect to, to see on Thursday? Two 60-minute games that kind of suggest to me that we might see a fair few of these players do a 60-minute stint, possibly with an eye on maybe a little bit more than that at the weekend, just sort of ticking those minutes along and, and increasing it game by game. Yeah, that's, it's difficult one to predict, isn't it? Um, I expected more changes on, on Thursday. Obviously, Klopp made six at the break and then brought on Van Dijk and Gomez, and, and there might have been another one or two in, in there, but I was expecting... A full, a full new eleven for the second half, and then Gomez and Van Dijk. So it's a tough one to predict. I mean, as as we edge closer and closer to Norwich, you have to expect that um, the likes of Kai Gordon and and um, Jake Kane and Leighton Clarkson they're going to be featuring less and less because they're not going to be playing against Norwich, are they? Let's face it. So um, it will be about getting some minutes in the legs for the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez uh, and for Robertson and Jota and couple of others who maybe haven't had that much action so far. Um, obviously, the Brazilians will feature at some point. We don't expect them to play, you know, a full hour of, of either of those games. They'll play in one of them, maybe maybe just a half hour. Uh, we shall see. But I think it's a difficult one to predict at the moment because although six of them have gone home, Klopp's still got the best part of 35-man squad out there. Um, so, yeah, um, I think it'll just be a case of, of seeing seeing what happens, but um, hoping that Van Dijk and Gomez get maybe what 
another 25 minutes, another half hour under the belts, and then take that forward into um, the friendlies next week. Yeah, certainly two more games, as you say, to, to come after Bologna, Athletic, Bilbao and Osasuna on Sunday and Monday, respectively. And we'll have a full preview of that on Friday's edition of the Blood Red podcast. All the latest news, of course, to come before then as well, plus all of our usual content for the rest of this week. But for myself, Matt Addison, Paul Ghost and Theo Squires, until next time, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.